This is a GRDC podcast. By now, farmers have a good idea about what they are up against this year when it comes to snail infestations. If needed, baits are out and hopefully doing their work. There's been heaps of research into snails over the years and, of course, much of that research from GRDC Investment. A lot of that body of research surrounds the most effective use of baits. So I was a little surprised when entomologist Helen Brody told me during my visit to Perse's research division, Sardi, in Adelaide, that it appears baits don't kill snails at particular times of the year. Helen took me to a lab where she has an ongoing bench trial testing that proposition. Uh, well, what we've got here are some snails that I set up yesterday. These are snails that I collected from the York Peninsula, and I have been doing this for uh, about 12 months now. These snails are put in these containers and they're exposed to either the Metarex bait product or a placebo version of that bait product. Now, what are you trying to do? Uh, what it's doing is it's giving us an idea on how the snail's response to the bait changes throughout the year. And we actually see that at certain times of the year, particularly around late spring and through summer, even when the snails are woken up and you know given some moisture and they'll eat the bait, we actually find that they're not really dying from it so much. Really? Whereas, yeah, whereas coming into more of a autumn period and early winter, we do see much higher rates of mortality, even though they're still eating the same amount of bait. That surprises me. So they're, they're eating the bait, but mm. they're not dying. Yeah, mm. we're, not, we're not sure what's causing it. It might be something to do with the metabolism, but it's, we need to investigate that a bit further. It says to me that you know, the ideal time to bait then is in these cooler months. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we actually persistently see, even with different sites that we collect the snails from, we persistently see a spike in that April period where we get much higher mortality. Whether that reflects that the snails are more susceptible to the, to the bait because they're busy breeding and feeding, we're not too sure but certainly between that April to June July period is where they're most likely to die from the bait. And that's when farmers normally bait anyway isn't it? Yes ideally ideally you get that bait in early before the egg lay occurs and depending on when that break of the season occurs that egg lay may begin in March it might start in June it depends on when that rain occurs. Now the egg lay is, is another area that you're looking at um, in fact we've got one of your assistants over there looking into a microscope at the moment tell me about what that research is about. So that's complementing some of our field monitoring that we're doing where we actually watch snail behaviour with cameras. So alongside that we collect snails and we are dissecting those snails and what we can dissect is the albumin gland which is part of the reproductive organs and that tells us how close they are to breeding. So this albumin gland is quite elastic in the sense that when the snails are not breeding or they're not sexually active it's very tiny and when they're busy breeding and laying eggs, the gland is very large. So we can actually get a really good indicator on when the snails are likely to start laying eggs. Mm. And even later in the season, are they still laying eggs or have they started shutting down for the summer period? Yeah. Well, just getting back to that issue of not dying from the bait in the warmer months. So then it really doesn't make much sense to put baits out at that time in, say, in the spring. If you've got a wet spring, is there any sense in putting baits out then? Not so much. As these little bench experiments have shown us, we get less mortality from snails, even when they do eat the bait. But in addition to that, by springtime, you've got a lot of other complicating factors. You've already got a whole new cohort of juveniles that have already been hatching out of eggs earlier. So you've got a whole bunch of juvenile snails, which are very poorly controlled by baits, mm. mostly due to their 
small when they can't get to the baits in yeah. time. And there are massive numbers sometimes. You've also got the problem with occasionally you might get contamination if you start putting bait out too close to yes. harvesting. Yeah. And in addition to that, you've also got a very complicated environment going on so that the snails may not actually find that bait if it gets caught up in weeds and things. The snails are busy eating other things, looking at different things, and it's quite hard to meet that bait on the ground. Yeah. Have farmers still got a little bit, or even yourself, got a little bit to learn about that whole baiting issue of where to put baits, how many baits to put out? Yeah, I think in general, most growers have a pretty good idea on when to apply their baits and they might have quite a set routine on when they do their baiting. But there are a few tips and tricks that might improve the efficiency of that baiting. Oh, well, that's good. Tell yeah. us about them. <laughs> um, look, there's some small things. Even before you start putting out the bait, just consider the storage conditions of your bait itself. We know that some metaldehyde-based products um, will actually degrade if they're exposed to high temperatures. So ah. think about where your baits have been sitting throughout summer. If they've been sitting in a shed exposed to high temperatures, they'll have much lower uh, active ingredient in them by the time you put it out. Okay. And little things like making sure you check that your baits are going out at the right rate. So where possible, you aim for 30 baits per square metre. In really high densities, you might have to start looking at 60 baits per square metre, and that will usually involve a second bait application to achieve that 60 baits per square metre. So you may also have to look at getting your spreader calibrated. We have found through some research that often the spreaders are actually spreading about 70% of what you expect is being spread for the width. So you actually may end up with overdosed and underdosed strips through your paddock, mm. um, which again is, is a problem. Because these spreaders aren't necessarily purpose-built spreaders, are they? They're, they're used for other things. Yeah, a lot of them are designed for spreading granular fertilizer, mm, yeah. for example. So it's there are companies and providers out there that can do formal calibration. And it's really important that you get that calibration done with the snail bait product that you prefer to use as well because they're quite different in aerodynamic properties and how much they might shatter as well. Yeah. I have read also that you talk about the number of baits versus the weight of the product on the ground. What, what do you mean there? Yeah, look, that comes down to the fact that snails aren't greatly attracted by these pellets in different varieties, different active ingredients. So although you might put out a high volume of bait, if you don't actually have the bait spread out effectively ah, across right. the ground, yeah. you minimise the chance that a snail is going to bump into that pellet and actually start eating it. So it really is purely a numbers game and increasing the chances that those snails will meet the pellets. So Sometimes this might mean a smaller bait gives you that better spread, but you also have to take into consideration other factors about the longevity of that bait exposed to environmental conditions. If it's much smaller, it may break down a bit faster mm. as well. There are a number of actives, are there, out on the market? Yes, so there's three primary actives available, so methiocarb, metaldehyde mm. and an iron chelate product. one better than the other? Look, they all have different pros and cons. Some are better in different conditions than others, but it generally comes down to personal preference for a, a grower. Be aware that some of the brand-based products, the ones that look a bit like chook pellets, those ones can actually be degraded under heavy rainfall. So if you're expecting more than about 15 millimetres of rain, probably wait until the rains happen before you put out something like that. Yeah. Do farmers normally bait just the once in a year? If they can, that'd be great, yeah, <laughs> and some yeah. of them can get away with that, but it'll really depend on what the snail population is. Yeah. So what, some years are worse than others, are they? Yes, yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. And look, that can vary a little bit. 
we do see that in drier summers where you don't have those occasional summer rainfalls, you may get a higher mortality of those snails that survive through summer. And those are those opportunities to really also impact the snails through some of your summer control mechanisms. So like rolling and cabling and, and managing your stubble. This will change how many snails you have coming into the new season. It's really monitoring what, how many snails you've got there getting your baiting out at the earliest chance you can when the snails are active. And that might be on a heavy dew or a light rain that will start getting them active. And yeah, monitoring how much that bait killed the snails, you may have to come back with a second do, one to get do on top some, of that. Do some uh, little pot trials like these. Oh well, yes, absolutely. And we, we do recommend that if you're not sure if your snails are actually active yet, you think it's too early, go out and put a little bit of bait out overnight and then check it the next morning to see are there are there dead snails around or mm. even have a look and see if you see lots of snail mm. trails the slime trails across the ground then yeah. you know they've been active actually you said to me earlier earlier today that that's why they move with moisture because of their slime trail yes yeah because snails can only move in a manner that leaves behind moisture, which causes the snail trails. They kind of slide, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the only way they can move. So they will only move when there's enough free moisture in the environment to balance out that moisture loss. That's why you see snails only moving during maybe an hour early in the morning in, when there's a dew event. We even see snails moving in December and January when there's a, a dew event, but then they'll, it'll only be very brief and then it gets dry again and they'll stop. So that's, that's what dictates where they go up and down onto things and start moving or, or shut down. Okay. What about biological controls, Helen? Is there anything on the horizon? <laughs> uh, look, it is a space that has been fairly heavily researched. There has been work done in the past on nematodes. There are some challenges in that space, though, mm. getting the right combination of nematodes and bacteria and how to deliver those nematodes. So that's a bit of an ongoing work. So it's a soil-borne attack on them, is that...? Kind of, yeah. It's it, The difficulty is how to get the nematodes to transfer from one snail to the next as well and mm. how to de deliver it effectively in the, in the paddock. We haven't seen stunning results <laughs> from field trials, but that was some time ago now. There's still ongoing work in other institutions. There's also some work continuing with the parasitic fly that attacks the conical snails. It was brought out from France back in the early 2000s yeah. and it was released in York Peninsula and a few areas on the limestone coast and unfortunately it hasn't had a huge impact. It has established but it doesn't make a big impact. So okay. there's some work ongoing to look at a new variety of that fly, a slightly new strain, we'll call it fly 2.0 maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's actually going to come from a different location. Uh, Louis actually, cousin. Louis yes, cousin. yes, <laughs> coming from Morocco. And so we believe okay. that that fly is a better match genetically to the actual snail variety that we have here as well. Okay, well, fingers crossed for that. Yes. Hey, do, do you mind if I have a look through that microscope? I'll go for close it. Close up look at the yeah. snails. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you got one there under the, under the mic? Yeah. Yeah, go for it. And you know what I saw? A big slimy snail. And that research on the parasitic fly that Helen mentioned is a collaboration between CSIRO, SARDI and GRDC. Thanks, Helen Brody, for your time. Helen is an entomologist with Purse's research division, SADI, at the Waite Agriculture Research Campus in Adelaide.